We now take you into a service already in progress where Pastor Ashish exhorts the congregation and leads them in making the declaration. And right after this is a life-changing message for you. Romans 4.17, he says, As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of him whom he believed. That is God. It tells us something about God. Who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. God gives life to the dead. So when he looks at a dead situation, a hopeless situation, something where you know, things are beyond redemption or whatever, it's a hopeless situation. God looks at it and he says, look, I like to give life to it. God gives life to the dead. But it's another thing about God he reveals to us in verse 17. He says, this is how God speaks. He says, God, when he speaks, he doesn't describe what is, but he calls into being what is not. God calls things that are not as though they were. That's the way he speaks. So when God sees somebody sick, he doesn't say, oh my gosh, you're sick. I'm sorry, I can't help you. He says, by my stripes, you're healed. He calls things that are not as though they were. That's the way God speaks. Now the Bible says, imitate. Let me hear you. Imitate God. God calls things that are not as though they were. In your life situation, be an imitator of God in the way you speak. You call things that are not as though they were because of his promise. When there is sickness, you call healing, health, because his word says, by his stripes, you are healed. I'm not saying we deny what is there, but we're saying, look, I know there is sickness. What's absent is health, so let's be, let me call health in because of his words. In a situation of lack, it's obvious, it's easy to describe what is there, but be an imitator of God. Call in what is not there. My God will supply all your need according to his riches. In a situation of confusion, yes, you can say there's so much confusion, but call in peace because God calls what does not exist as though they were. So you call in peace into that situation. Call in healing, wholeness, blessing. What is not, you call in because of his word. This morning as we stand up to make a declaration, you may not feel healed or delivered or redeemed or you may not feel victorious, but you can call yourself victorious because his word says, through our God we shall do valiantly. Because his word says, God always causes us to triumph in every situation, in every circumstance. You may not feel victorious, but you call things that are not as though they were because of his word. Can we be imitators of God this morning? Let's stand to our feet as we make a declaration. I want you to lift your Bible high up in the air. Say this out loud with me. This is God's word. This is God speaking to me. I am who God says I am. I can do what God says I can do. I will become everything God has promised. I am saved, healed, delivered, redeemed. I am blessed, victorious, prosperous, triumphant. I'm a minister of God, a servant of Christ, and a channel of His blessing to many people. I receive His word. I believe His word. And I live by His word. Christ is my master. And to him, I am in absolute surrender. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Before we get into the message, I need to make an announcement here. I'm happy to announce the bands of marriage 
of uh, Dr. Vinita Vittal, who's a member of All People's Search here, daughter of Dr. Peter Vittal and Dr. Jayanti Vittal, uh, with uh, Dr. Anil Kumar, who's a member of CSI Church, Tiptur, uh, son of uh, Mr. Vijayanand and Mrs. Sarva Mangala, members of CSI Church, Tiptur. The wedding will be held uh, on the 29th of November at uh, Hudson Memorial Church. Let's pray for Vinita and Anil. Vinita, would you please stand? And let's pray for Vinita and uh, Anil, her fiancé. They're going to be married shortly in a couple of weeks. Let's pray for her. Father, this morning, we just over Vinita, and we pray over Anil, God. We thank you that you orchestrated things in their lives and brought them to, to this point. We pray your blessing upon them as they prepare for marriage, as they prepare for a life together. We pray for the wisdom of God and the understanding of God in their life, in their marriage, that they will raise up a strong, godly family, and that God, together, they will be able to be, bear witness to your name and serve the purposes of your kingdom. We bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, Vinita. If anyone knows of any reason why these young people shouldn't be joined in marriage, please give it in writing to the church office before their wedding. All right. We have been spending several Sundays talking about the kingdom of God, and this is our fifth Sunday. We've got a few more Sundays as we cover this subject. In case you miss any of these uh, messages in this series, I'd encourage you to go to our church website. All our previous messages, the MP3 files are there, so you can listen to them, as well as download the PDF documents of uh, the sermon outlines and just come up to speed. Now we've, uh, the last two Sundays, we talked about kingdom thinking, and we talked about kingdom living, and you put these two together... And we have what is called as kingdom culture. When all of us begin to walk and think and behave uh, according to the kingdom of God, according to what uh, he has taught us in his, as part of the, his kingdom, we create what is called a kingdom culture. And that's what we want to have in the church. A kingdom culture where everybody thinks the kingdom of God and lives the kingdom of God. We will have a community of people who are experiencing kingdom culture. This morning I want us to spend some time talking about kingdom parables. Kingdom parables. The kingdom of God is such an important subject in the Bible. From the very beginning till the very last chapter, that's his theme. God said, I want to establish a kingdom where the people will inherit the kingdom. We see the closing chapters of the Bible that Jesus sets up his own kingdom where he is king of all kings and lord of all lords. And to the extent of his kingdom, there is no limit, no end. Now, when Jesus came to the earth and he was teaching us about the kingdom, he spoke to people in parables. And he spoke many parables as a means to communicate to us hidden truths concerning his kingdom. And we want to examine some of those parables this morning and try to understand the truths that he wanted to communicate to us. Our parables reveal mysteries or hidden truths concerning his kingdom kingdom. Let's turn in our Bible to John chapter 3 verses 9 to 13 as we just kind of lay a little foundation here uh, before we explore kingdom parables. In John chapter 3 verses 9 to 13, Jesus is in a conversation with a very learned person. He's in a conversation with Nicodemus who's a scholar. He's he studied a lot. He's learned a lot. And Jesus gone through just explaining to him the need to be born again. He's used something from our world, that of natural birth, to tell Nicodemus something about the spirit, about the need to be born from above. And Nicodemus cannot understand this. And we pick this conversation up in verse 9 of John 3. 
Verse 9, Nicodemus answered and said to him, How can these things be? You know, Jesus, I just can't get what you're saying. What are you saying? Verse 10, Jesus answered and said to him, Are you the teacher of Israel and do not know these things? Most assuredly I say to you, we speak what we know and testify what we have seen and you do not receive our witness. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I have told you heavenly things? No one has ascended to heaven but he who came down from heaven, that is the Son of Man who is in heaven. So Nicodemus says, I can't understand what you're saying. Jesus saying, listen, you know, I've talked to you about earthly things and you can't figure, you can't understand me, you can't follow me. What will you do if I told you about heavenly things? How are you going to understand it? How are you going to get a grip on those things? And then Jesus says, you know, I'm the only one who can tell you about these heavenly things. You know, I'm the one who's come down from heaven and in fact, I am in heaven. So although he's physically here on earth, he's also from there. He's connected in the spirit there. And he says, I am in heaven. And I'm the one who can tell you these heavenly things. Things about the unseen kingdom. So Jesus had a challenge in his communication. He had to communicate to people like you and me, unseen realities. Things about the kingdom, the world that he comes from. And sometimes in just speaking to us, about the very things of our own world, we were, not, we were unable to understand. And so Jesus had to do something to bridge this gap. And that's where this whole concept of parables come in. What Jesus began to do was this. Use stories from our world to unveil mysteries of his world. And that's what parables are. They are stories from our world that help us see into and get an understanding of things concerning his kingdom. So many times as he was speaking parables, he would say, you know, this is what my kingdom is like. And then he would tell us something from our world with the intent that we would get an understanding of his world. In Matthew chapter 13, where Jesus, we have a list of many of his parables. Matthew 13 verses 10 to 17, it says... The disciples came to him and said, Why do you speak then in parables? Why do you speak to them in parables? He answered, verse 11, Matthew 13. He answered and said to them, Because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For whoever has, to him more will be given, and he, who ha- and he will have abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. Therefore I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. And in them the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, which says, Hearing you will hear and shall not understand, seeing you will see and not perceive. For the heart of this people have grown dull, their ears are hard of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes, hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts, and turn or repent. So that I should heal them. They should, they should experience sozo, salvation. Verse 16. But blessed are your eyes for they see and your ears for they hear. For assuredly I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see and did not see it. And to hear what you hear and did not hear it. So disciples came and said, Jesus, why are you speaking to us suddenly now? Why are you speaking parables? I mean, what's, what are you trying to do here? Jesus said this. For you it has been given... To know the mysteries of the kingdom. Meaning, my disciples, God has given you the grace for you to know the mysteries of the kingdom. 
That's why when everybody was trying to figure Jesus out, and some said he was John the Baptist, and others said Elijah, his disciples could say, you are the Christ. Why? Because it was given to them to know the hidden truths of the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But he said, you know, the general public, the people, the crowd that comes to listen to me, they have eyes that cannot see, they have ears, they cannot hear, their heart, they can't understand the mysteries of the kingdom. So in order to bridge that gap, in order to communicate the mysteries of the kingdom, here's what I'm doing. I'm speaking parables. I'm taking stories from their world to help them see things of my world. That's why I'm using parables. But in the, that process of giving an explanation to his disciples, he also said something. He said, you know, if you have, this is how it works in the kingdom of God. If you have, and you're going for more, you will have abundance. If you have little, you're not doing anything with it, you will lose even the little that you have. Here's something very important about the kingdom of God. You've got revelation. And this is all concerning the context of understanding the mystery of the kingdom of God. You've got revelation. You're going after more. God will give you abundance. But if you're not doing anything with the little revelation you've got, you risk not only not getting more, but you risk losing the little that you have. So concerning revelation, concerning the mysteries of the kingdom of God, we must take them seriously. Amen? Go after more, because then you will have abundance. If you don't do anything with the little you have, you risk losing even the little you have. The other thing that Jesus said is this. He said, listen, if I can speak in parables and get them to understand what I'm saying, get past blinded eyes, deaf ears, and hardened hearts, by using these parables, if I can get to them, then here's what's going to happen. They are going to be converted. They're going to turn. King James says they're going to repent and what happened they will experience my healing they will experience my salvation amen so the point is this when you get an understanding of the mysteries of god it opens your life up to the working of god but understanding mysteries is important understanding the secret truths of his kingdom is important because that must enter in before his work can come all of us are pursuing the work of God, but we don't want to invest in understanding the mysteries. But let's put it in the right order. You get an understanding of the mysteries, you pursue the mysteries, and when you get an understanding of the mysteries, that opens your life up to the saving, healing, delivering work of God in our lives. Amen? In Matthew, the 13th chapter, just continues to tell us, verses 34 and 35, it says, all these things Jesus spoke to the multitudes in parables. And without a parable, he did not speak to them. So that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet saying, I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things kept secret from the foundation of the world. So as Jesus was speaking in parables, he was actually fulfilling a prophecy. But I also want you to see this. That these parables are now unveiling to us things that were hidden from the time, from the beginning, from the foundation of the world. So within every parable is hidden truth. Amen? So this morning, I want to challenge us. I know many of us have heard these parables. And what we've done with them is that's a nice story. Let me color the pictures in Sunday school. And we kind of have done that kind of thing with the parables. But this morning, I want to challenge you. If you will look at these parables as your avenue into a getting a grip on unseen realities, of understanding the mysteries of God, if you will on purpose examine those parables and say, God, 
What are you telling me through this story? I want to get a grip on that mystery. I want to get a grip on that truth that's been hidden since the foundation of the world. And if you will, God will open my eyes to see, my ears to hear, my heart to understand, so that I can receive that mystery. Then I know I will receive your working. So I want you to go after those parables with that intent. To receive an understanding of those mysteries so that you can then experience the working of God in your life. Can we do that this morning? Not treat the parables as nice stories that we can just you know, talk about or color and draw pictures about. But these are avenues into the mysteries of God. And when I understand that mystery, I'm going to turn, I'm going to repent. Something inside me is going to change. I'm going to experience His salvation, His saving work in my life. Now, there are many, many parables that Jesus talked and, uh, and communicated to us. I want to just pick a few this morning and, uh, and just talk about the truth that He communicated to us through those parables. One of the first parables that He communicated to His disciples was that of the sower and the seed. The parable of the kingdom, the king's word, the sower and the word of the kingdom. Now, uh, you read it in, in Matthew the 13th chapter, in Mark the 4th chapter, and also in Luke the 8th chapter. You have the parable of the sower recorded for us. And in Matthew 13, verses 18 to 23, Jesus explains the parable. The disciples come to him and says, you know, Lord, this is the first time. We're kind of hearing you talk in parables, so get us going here. Help us understand what this parable thing is all about. So they come to him and say, can you explain to us the parable of the sower? And Jesus goes about explaining to them the parable. So he says, you know, when anyone hears, verse 19, the word of a kingdom. So we're talking about the kingdom of God. The parable of the sower has to do with the word of the kingdom. What is the word of the kingdom? It's the word of the king. What the king of the kingdom has spoken, it has to do with God's words. And he says, listen. I'm revealing to you something about the kingdom of God using the story that you are so familiar with about a farmer sowing seed. I'm using that to tell you about the unseen kingdom. When God speaks, this is what happens. God's word, the word of the king, the word of the kingdom is his primary way of working in his kingdom. He releases his word so that his word can come onto the ground which is your heart, my heart. So when the king wants to work in you, what does he do? He releases the word of his kingdom. He releases his word intended to come and fall on your heart, which is the grounds. But Jesus says, but I want you to understand a couple of things. There are some things that will hinder this word from affecting your life. The king can speak into your life. But there are some things that will hinder this word from affecting you. What are those things? First he says, there are birds of the air. What are those birds? He says, Satan comes to take away the word. So listen, when you hear the word of the kingdom, there is an enemy. He's like the bird of the air. He wants to come and take that word away. He does not want the word of the king becoming an experience in your life. What will allow Satan to rob you of the word of the kingdom? Matthew 13, he says, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then Satan comes and takes away that word. When you don't understand what God is saying, when you don't get a revelation of what God is saying, then you risk losing that word. It will not be able to produce in your life. Amen? That's why you and I need to pray like the psalmist, open thou mine eyes 
that I may behold wondrous things of your word. Meaning God, I want to go past the letters that I read and I want to see, I want to get an understanding of what's in it. Because we can all read, but just reading doesn't ensure that it will produce. You need to understand what you read. If you don't understand, then Satan has a freedom, the liberty to come and take away what was sown, what you're hearing. So if you and I need to pray, give us eyes that can see, ears that can hear, hearts that can, that can understand God. Amen. And then he said, now, there's the word when it comes into your life. If there are rocks in your life, even that can hinder the word of the king from coming to pass in your life. So today the king might be speaking something to you. The word of the kingdom must be, might be coming to you. It might be coming to you from the written word. It might be coming to your prophetic word that the Holy Spirit speaks into your life. It is the word of the king that is coming to you. But if there are rocks around you, they can hinder that word from being fulfilled. What are those rocks? Jesus said. When anyone hears a word, it takes root. But when there are persecutions and afflictions for the word's sake. Meaning you've got the word of the kingdom, but there's going to be some persecution. There's going to be some affliction, meaning hardship. Because of that word which the king has spoken into your life. And if you allow them to affect you, it will rob you of that word. That word will become ineffective. You know, there's nothing wrong with that word. Because it's the word of the king. It is, this, it is full of power. It will come to pass. There's nothing wrong with that word because God said, when my word goes out, it will not come back to me void. There's nothing wrong with that word because it is the uncorruptible word which lives and abides forever. But if there are rocks in my life, if there are affliction and things in my life around me that cause me to withdraw from that word, that word will not produce. Then he said, listen, there are things called thorns, which are cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the lust for other things. He said, look, if you allow that to creep up in your life, it will again hinder the word of the king from being fulfilled in your life. And finally, he said, depending on the condition of your heart, you, if that word takes root, if you receive that word, retain that word, believe that word, then you can bring forth fruit. Now, some people might bring 30-fold fruit, some might bring 60, and some might bring 100, depending on the condition of your heart. So here is the mystery of the kingdom. The king works by his word. Amen. We want God to work in our lives. He says, here's it. When he speaks to you, it's his intent to work in you. His word is coming to you. This is the word of the kingdom. Every word is designed to produce in your life. But you got to be careful of the birds, of the rocks, and of the thorns. Because they have the potential of hindering the word of the kingdom from being fulfilled in your life. And he said, if you can understand this parable, then you can understand all other parables. Meaning, if you can understand that this natural story, a story from your world, is communicating this truth to you, and if you take this word seriously, then you know what? You're going to be able to understand all the other parables that I'm going to tell you about. Amen? I want us to take God's word very seriously. When you read the Bible, take it seriously. Because this is the word of the kingdom. This is the way God's going to work in your life. If you treat this book lightly, you're not allowing the king to work in you because he works in you by his word, the seed, which he releases into your life and mine. Take it seriously. Allow the seeds of his word to be sown in your heart and to bear fruit. He then told us about the parables, or the parable of the kingdom, the good seed and the tares. In Matthew 13, 24 to 43, he said in verse 24, Matthew 13, 24, he said, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in the field. 
So he goes to another parable. He says, here's another story about the kingdom. I'm revealing to you something about the unseen world. Here's what's happening. It's like a man who goes out to sow good seed in his field. And there's an enemy who comes and sows bad seeds. And all of a sudden in his field he finds good things growing. He finds bad things growing. His people come and say, you know, can we go and clean up the field right now? And he says, don't do that lest you destroy the good when you're trying to get out the bad. Let them grow together. But at the end of the age, when harvest time comes, I will send my reapers in. During harvest time, we will sort them out. We'll gather the good in, we'll get rid of the bad. Once again, the disciples come. This is the second time they come to him and say, okay, you know, please explain to us this parable. It's, very, it's something from a story from our world. Yes, we understand this whole thing about farming. But what, what is the spiritual truth you're trying to convey to us? And he says, here's the spiritual truth. It is this. The man who sowed good seed is the son of God, Jesus Christ. The good seeds are sons of the kingdom. You are good seeds. Amen? You are that son of that kingdom. The, the son of God has sown into this world. I want you to begin to perceive yourself and look at yourself as that good seed, as that son or daughter of the kingdom. I am that good seed in, the, in this world. And you're around bad seed. He said there's a devil who's also sowing wicked, bad seeds which are wicked people. You're amidst them. You're in their midst. There are wicked people around you. But God has sown you into this world for a purpose. You are a son and a daughter of the kingdom in this earth. You have a kingdom mandate on your life. You're here to release the kingdom of God amidst a wicked generation. Amen. Can you see yourself as a son of the kingdom? As a daughter of the kingdom? See yourself as a good seed. You know, you might be in a work environment, a college situation, uh, maybe even in a community where things are very difficult. You see, there are wicked people. Sure, there are bad seeds all around me. Well, listen, don't focus on the bad seeds. Understand why you're there. You are a son of the kingdom. And the son of God has so intended that in such a time as this, he would put you as a good seed in that place. In that office, in that college, and say, I'll put Johnny there as a good seed. Johnny is just anybody's name, right? <laughs> I'll just put him there. I'll put her there as a good seed. I want my kingdom to grow, to thrive, to flourish in that place. See yourself as that good seed. Yes, there are bad seeds sown by the enemy, but you're that good seed, a son of the kingdom, a daughter of that kingdom. Position there to manifest his glory. And he continues in the story. He says, you know, the, at the harvest time, it's the end of the age. The reapers are the angels. They're going to come. They're going to clean up everything. And they're going to sort it all out. The end is coming. Then I will vindicate the good seeds. And the bad seeds will be dismissed. He brought that same truth using a fishing story. In the same chapter of Matthew 13, he talked about the big dragnet. In Matthew 13, 47 through 50. He said, the kingdom of heaven is like a big dragnet, a big fishing net that's cast into the sea and, and it gathered all kinds of fish. And when they drew it to the shore, they sat down, the fishermen sat down, they gathered the good one into the vessels and threw the bad one away. So it's going to be at the end of the age. Angels will come, they'll separate the wicked from among the just and cast them into the furnace of fire. They'll be weeping, wailing and gnashing of teeth. He used a simple fisherman's story to tell us, to describe to us what will happen at the end of the age. The good will be separated from the bad. 
it's going to happen. The question is this. When that big fishing net is thrown in, and everyone is taken in to that place for judgment day, and we all sort it out. The question is, where will you be? Will you be like that good fish that's gathered into the kingdom? Or like the bad fish, Jesus said, which will be thrown away into a furnace of fire, meaning into an eternally, and a place of eternal separation from God in hell. He said, listen, this will happen. He used the story for you and me to understand what's going to happen at the end of the age. Unless a man is born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. If you're not born again, now is a good time to get born again. Because a day is coming when the big fishing net will be cast. Every soul that ever lived will be gathered before the throne of God. And those who are born again will get to see the kingdom. Those who are not will be eternally separated in a place, what Jesus called as a furnace of fire. It's not a happy place to be. It's a place called hell. There are two other parables that Jesus talked about and both revealed to us the pervasive nature of the kingdom. In Matthew, the 13th chapter, verses 31, 32, and 33, he gave two parables. He said in verse 31, it says, Another parable he put forth to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. So he's saying, Look, I'm telling something more about the kingdom of heaven. It's like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all seeds. But when it is sown and takes root, it grows up in a big plant that even the birds of the air come and nest in it. And continuing that same thought, he gave another story, another parable in verse 33. He said, another parable he spoke to them, the kingdom of, of heaven is like leaven, like yeast, or baking soda. He says, look, you know, it's like leaven, which a woman who's making uh, bread just puts a little bit in the whole dough, but it, it just affects the whole dough. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. It's like, a, it's like leaven. What's the point? He says, the kingdom of heaven is like this. It begins small, but it has the potential to influence, to become pervasive, to just uh, infiltrate its entire environments. And this is how God works. He always begins in a mustard seed. He always begins with a little leaven, just a little. And then his intent is... To affect the entire environment. Now where is the kingdom of God? What did we learn last Sunday? Jesus said in Luke 17, The kingdom of God does not come by observation, but lo, the kingdom of God is within you. God's kingdom is within you. That mustard seed is in you. That little leaven is inside you. Where you are is that very environment that He wants that kingdom to parade. He wants that kingdom to uh, invade, to infiltrate. Where you are. Amen. He says, this is what the kingdom of God is like. I want to challenge each one of us here. You know, you the, you've got the kingdom of God in you. You are that mustard seed. You are that little leaven that God's put where you are. You are it. That mustard seed. You are that little leaven. So don't look at yourself and say, God, I am so small. I am so insignificant. What influence can I have upon my environment? What influence can I have in my city? Listen, there's something inside you that has a potential to grow into something big. That grow, that has a potential to really invade its entire environment. It's called the kingdom of God. Will you believe? What's inside you is a mustard seed. What's inside you is that leaven. You are that leaven. You are that mustard seed in this city. God wants to affect the city through you. Have faith in that kingdom that's inside you. 
Yes, in your own self, you're insignificant. In your own self, you may not have the potential. In your own self, you may not have the capacity. But something powerful is inside you. It's called the kingdom of God. Amen. There's something inside us that can affect our entire city. The kingdom is in our midst. And his desire is that it will affect the world around us. A couple more parables we'll see here before we close. There are two parables that Jesus spoke to us to reveal to us the value that we must place on his kingdom. There's the parable of the treasure of the field and there's the parable of a pearl of great price. In Matthew 13 verses 44 to 46, here's what he said. He said, again, the kingdom of heaven is like this. It's like a treasure hidden in a field which when a man found and hid, for the joy over it, he goes and sells all he has and buys that field. Verse 45, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for beautiful pearls, who when he had found one pearl of great price, he went and sold all he had and bought it. What's Jesus saying? saying, listen, here's the truth about this unseen kingdom. If you really want to enjoy this kingdom, you really want to experience this kingdom, then here's how you got to treat the kingdom. You got to treat it like this man who when he saw the treasure in the field, he went and got rid- sold everything he had because he wanted that field because of that treasure. Or because of this man who found one pearl, he was looking for pearls, he found one pearl, but it was so expensive, yet he gave up, he sold everything he had just to buy that one pearl. So he says, listen, this is how you must treat the kingdom of God. It, for you, it must be your treasure in the field. It must be that one pearl of great value. Anything less is unacceptable. So is the kingdom of God. The question is, will you and I place such importance, place such value on the kingdom? Will you and I treat the kingdom as that treasure in the field? Will you and I treat the kingdom as that pearl of great price? Or is the kingdom just a side thing we do on Sunday mornings? Is the kingdom just a little thing like, you know, I have some spare time, let me go listen to what this man has to say, you know. Or is the kingdom your all in all? Is it your pearl of great price? Is it that treasure in the field for which you will leave, sell everything and say, I am pursuing this kingdom. Jesus said, that's the way we got to treat his kingdom. In fact, he said, any man putting his hand to the plow and looks back, he is not fit for my kingdom. Meaning, I don't even entertain a second thought. There's only one thought you must have. It's my kingdom. If you have any second thoughts, you're not fit for my kingdom. That's pretty strong. Amen. He didn't even say 50-50. He said 100%. Sell all you've got for the sake of that treasure. Sell all you've got for that, that pearl of great pride. I'm not saying that all of us had to give up all our lives and go sit on the Himalayas and say, Thy kingdom come. It's not going to do anybody any good. What I am saying is this. That while we're busy in our worlds, while we are doing what God has called us to do, while we are being sons and daughters of the kingdom in the midst of a wicked and perverse generation, while we are doing that, our entire life is centered and revolves around the king and his kingdom. When I study, I study for the sake of his kingdom. When I work, I work for the sake of his kingdom. When I go out and do something, I do it for the sake of the king and his kingdom. That is what drives me. If your life is like that, then Jesus says, the kingdom of God is now a pearl of great price for you. It's that treasure in the field. And that's what I'm asking of you, Jesus says. Nothing less than that is what I want. I want to awaken us. This kingdom must be 
number one. He said, seek first the kingdom. All these other things will be added to you. Reorder your life. Reprioritize everything in your life. Make this kingdom that pearl of great price. Where say, God, this is what my life is all about. It's about the king and his kingdom. It's about being a son of, his, of that kingdom in this world on purpose. Wanting that kingdom within me to parade the world. That's the only reason why I'm here. To allow his kingdom to come through me and affect the world around me. Make it. That's what I want you to do with my kingdom. Two more things here. About the teachings of his kingdom, he said this, you know, in Matthew 13, 51 and 53, towards the end of that chapter. Jesus turns around to his disciples, he says, Have you understood these things? They said to him, Yes, Lord. So, he's been going through parable after parable, talking about different aspects of the kingdom. The sower, sowing the seed, the harvest, the dragnet, the pearl of great price. And then he comes to this conclusion. He says, Okay, guys, did you understand what I'm t- I've been talking to you? And they say, Yes. He says, okay, I want to tell you one more thing about my kingdom. Any scribe, verse 52, he says, Therefore, every scribe, meaning every teacher, instructed concerning the kingdom of heaven. So here are teachers of the kingdom. Is like a householder who brings out of his treasure things new and old. So he said, listen to me. When you see people teaching about the kingdom, it's like this. It's like a householder. And so, in one way, he's referring to himself because he's just gone through teaching them a whole lot of things about the kingdom. And he's saying, listen, it's like this. It's like a householder who goes out and gets out of his treasuries old things and new things. Meaning this. When you're hearing things about the kingdom, there will be things that are old, things that you've heard of. There will be things that are new, that you have not heard of. But you've got to receive them both. The old and the new. Receive them. So when you hear things, somebody teaching about the kingdom, you're going to hear things that are old, things that you have heard, things that you are accustomed to. But you're also going to hear things that are new. Receive. God receive both. So what does it mean to you and me? It means this. That in understanding the things concerning the kingdom of God, there is what God has said, and there is what God is saying. If you really want to flow with the kingdom of God, you must be willing to receive what God has said, and what God is saying. What God is saying in the now does not supersede, negate, or violate anything that God has said. In fact, what God has said explains what God is saying. But you cannot live only by what God has said, the old. There is also what God is saying, the new. The problem is, if we tend to fall or go lean on either one side, If you tend to only go by the old, yeah, I know that. That's comfortable ground for me. You will miss out on the new, what God is saying. If you only run after what God is saying, you may not not understand what He is saying, or you are likely to misunderstand what He is saying if you don't interpret it in the light of what He has said. Because everything that is being said is in the context of what has been said. So as people who want to understand the teachings of the kingdom of God, we must have hearts that are receptive to the old and to the new, to what God has said and to what God is saying, to what is written and to what is being spoken. Amen? That will allow us to learn the mysteries of the kingdom of God. What what God has said is the written word. What God is saying is the voice of His Spirit speaking to you and me right now. And we need both.
It will not contradict that what is being said will never contradict what has said because it is the same God who is speaking. So you don't have to be afraid. Amen? That's how he said you're going to understand the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. One last parable and we will stop. There is this interesting parable in Luke 19 that talks about stewardship. It's interesting to read Luke 19 having understood Matthew 25. In both these places, Jesus is teaching us about stewardship. He's talking about a man who went away to receive a kingdom, referring to himself. Because Jesus has gone now to receive a kingdom from his father. But before he leaves, he calls to himself his servants, and to each one he gives something. He gives some talent, some money, and then he goes away to receive his kingdom. Then he comes back and he inquires, saying, what have you done with what I've given you? In Luke 19, there is additional insight concerning what is going to happen and concerning the kingdom of God that is not given to us in Matthew 25. Most of us are very comfortable with the parable of the good stewards in Matthew 25. Where he says, you know, you know the, in Luke 19, verse 13 says, this Lord who was going to nobleman was going to receive a kingdom. He calls his servants in verse 13 he says, he called ten of his servants, delivered to them minas and said to them, do business till I come. The King James says, occupy till I come. The New King James, other versions say, do business. The literal meaning of that word occupy. Do business till I come. Let's all say this together. Jesus told me to do business till he comes. What are you supposed to be doing? Let me hear you. Do business. Meaning, engage the world. Get into the world. Be part of the commerce of this world. Be part of all the transactions that are happening in this world. Occupy. Doesn't mean sit in your house and don't do anything. Occupy means do business. Take ground. Gain territory. Do business. Till I... What has been so prevalent in the church, especially those of us who get saved and become a little spiritual is, we immediately disconnect from the world... And though our physical bodies are here, our hearts and minds are in heaven. So we are not occupying. We are in absentia till he comes. And that's not what he told us to do. He said, occupy, gain territory, do business till I come. Meaning, every believer, every son and daughter of the kingdom, Jesus' commission to you is this. I want you to do business on this earth. Till I come back, engage the world. Get into it. Whatever the seven mountains, we, we've talked about it, the seven mountains. The seven spheres of activity in our society. The seven mind molders of arts, of entertainment, of media, of, of business, of education, of government, of religion. Get into these seven mountains and occupy, do business, engage the world. Till I return. Be in it. Yes, you're not off it. But be in it. This is what Jesus wants you to do. So if anybody has any doubts on whether Jesus wants you to be engaging the world or not, here's your answer. He said, let me hear you. He said, engage the world till I come. Get in, do business till I come. If you have the slightest thought of running away to the Himalayas, this morning, that should be addressed. He said, do business, get in, engage the world till I return. It's interesting to see what he requires of them. Verse 15, so it was when he returned having received the kingdom. So he's coming back now as king of kings and lord of lords. He received the kingdom. His last, the last enemy has been put under his feet. He's received the kingdom. He's coming. He commanded these servants, meaning you and me, to, be, to whom he had given the money, 
to be called to him, and he, that he might know how much every man had gained by trading. Saying, listen, I want to find out what my servants did. I mean, were they successful in engaging the world? How much did they multiply what I gave them? How much did they increase their influence, increase their impact, increase their reach in this world? How much did they gain by trading? This is not a nice story. This is a parable of the kingdom. This is what he wants his kingdom to be like. Not just what he wants. This is his kingdom. This is what he's going to expect of you and me. He says, how much did he gain by trading? So Jesus, I thought you were already rich. Why are you asking me to make something for you? No. He wants to see your stewardship. And your stewardship is measured by how much have you gained by trading. What did you do with the talents I placed in you? What did you do with the time I gave you? What did you do with the opportunities I gave you? What did you do with the people I put around you? What did you do with the contacts I gave you? What did you do with the abilities, the, whether it's intellectual, whether it's physical, whatever. What did you do with what I gave you? How did you multiply it? How did you increase your influence for the sake of his kingdom? How much did you gain by trading? That's another interesting thing. Can you imagine that one day you and I will be standing before Jesus and he says... How much did you gain by trading? Lord, trading? I want to keep myself holy. I want to keep myself pure. I never went near any worldly person. I was always surrounded by pastors. I just kept myself with holy people. We never did any trading. He's going to ask you, what have you gained by trading? Did you engage the world? Did you do business till I come? And here's the other interesting thing that we don't see in Matthew 25, which you see in Luke 19. To the people who did well, here's what he said. Verse 16, Then came the first saying, Master, your mina has earned ten minas. Meaning, I've multiplied it by a factor of ten. I've multiplied it by ten times. Verse 17, He said to them, Well done, good servant. Because you were faithful in a very little, now what? Have authority over ten cities. What was that, Jesus? You don't find this in Matthew 25. Have authority over ten cities. The same thing he says to the next guy who comes and says in verse 18, the second came and said, Master, your minute has earned five. I multiplied it five times. He said, verse 19, likewise he said, you shall be over, have authority over five cities. What's he talking about? Now you and I know, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 6, don't you know that saints will rule the Well. Daniel 7, it says that after the kingdom was given to the Son of God, Jesus, He turned around and He gave His kingdom to His saints, so that the saints will rule in His kingdom. That's what He's talking about here. The point is this. Our stewardship here on earth, not only is going to gain God's approval here and now, but it's also going to determine what you will be assigned to do in the coming kingdom. Amen? So I don't like that. Sorry. So is the kingdom of God. This is how the kingdom of of heaven is. Our stewardship here on earth, in this present life, is determining what he's going to entrust entrust to you in his kingdom. Stewardship is important. Amen? So is the kingdom of God. A mystery of his kingdom. There are many other parables that Jesus spoke to us and that I recorded for us, we're not going to examine all of them. But here's the challenge I want to put before you. As you look at these parables, they give us insight into the mysteries, 
if you will receive, understand and receive those mysteries, he said, then it allows God to work in your life. So every parable is important for us to understand. The word of the kingdom is so important. We must receive that word and show that that word produces in our lives. Can take root in our lives because God works in us by his word. Guard the word which God speaks to you. You are a son or a daughter of the kingdom in this world. He has planted you where you are for a very specific reason at a time like this. See yourself as a son or daughter of the kingdom. You have within you a kingdom that is pervasive. It, is, it, it, it has the potential to just infiltrate your entire environment. You may be small, but you've got something big inside you. You've got that mustard seed. You've got that leaven. So begin to pray and say, God, thy kingdom come in my school. Thy kingdom come in my college. Thy kingdom come in my office. Thy kingdom come in my neighborhood. Thy kingdom come. It's that mustard seed. It's that leaven, God. Let it come here. You are part of that kingdom. And Jesus said, you and I must be willing to receive his kingdom or embrace his kingdom with all that we have. Like that treasure in that field, like that pearl of great price. I'm living, you're living for that sake of that kingdom. And as you, you and I continue learning about the things of the kingdom, there'll be things that are old, there'll be things that are new. We must receive both. If we're going to understand the mysteries of the kingdom and understand that today your stewardship is important because it is determining your future role in that coming kingdom. Amen. We trust that this message was a blessing to you. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us at contact at apcwo.org. Also visit our website www.apcwo.org for additional resources. Thank you for listening and God bless you.